Happy New Year, friends, and welcome to Sunday morning at First Presbyterian Church. My name is Danny. And I'm Connie. The author of Hebrews writes that our hope in Jesus Christ is a sure and steadfast anchor for the soul. So come and join us and let us celebrate this journey with Christ. Come on in. The first reading of scripture today comes from prophet Isaiah chapter 60 verses 1 through 6. Listen as the Lord speaks through Isaiah. Arise, shine, for your light has come, and the glory of the Lord rises upon you. See, darkness covers the earth, and thick darkness is over the peoples. But the Lord rises upon you, and His glory appears over you. Nations will come to your light, and kings to the brightness of your dawn. Lift up your eyes and look about you. All assemble and come to you. Your sons come from afar, and your daughters are carried on the hip. Then you will look and be radiant. Your heart will throb and swell with joy. The wealth of the seas will be brought to you. To you the riches of the nations will come. Herds of camels will cover your land, young camels of Midian and Epah, and all from Sheba will come, bearing gold and incense and proclaiming the praise of the Lord. This is the word of the Lord. Thanks be to God. Our second reading is the account of Jesus being born according to the Gospel of Matthew. We start in chapter 2, verses 1 through 12. Listen to this familiar story with fresh ears. In the time of King Herod, after Jesus was born in Bethlehem of Judea, wise men from the east came to Jerusalem asking, Where is the child who has been born King of the Jews? For we observed his star at its rising and have come to pay him homage. When King Herod heard this, he was frightened and all Jerusalem with him. And calling together all the chief priests and scribes of the people, he inquired of them where the Messiah was to be born. They told him, in Bethlehem of Judea, for so it had been written by the prophet. And you, Bethlehem, in the land of Judah, are by no means least among the rulers of Judah. For from you shall come a ruler who is to shepherd my people Israel." Then Herod secretly called for the wise men and learning from them the exact time when the star had appeared. Then he sent them to Bethlehem saying, go and search diligently for the child. And when you have found him, bring me word so that I may also go and pay him homage. When they heard the king, they set out and there ahead of them, went the star that they had seen at its rising until it stopped over the place where the child was. 
When they saw that the star had stopped, they were overwhelmed with joy. On entering the house, they saw the child with Mary, his mother, and they knelt down and paid him homage. Then opening their treasure chests, they offered him gifts of gold, frankincense, and myrrh. And having been warned in a dream not to return to Herod, they left for their own country by another road. This is the word of the Lord. Thanks be to God. Friends, we live in a time of darkness. We live under the oppressive rule of whoever is in power at the time. It seems like the word and presence of God are absent. Our nation is fracturing and being further torn apart by the violent zealots on the right and the left who represent different thoughts on how our nation should be governed. We look at scripture as distant and far-fetched. We even look at the birth story that we have just celebrated of Jesus Christ and prefer to look at the scandal of Mary being a virgin rather than to believe that a miracle from God took place. We have just completed a nationwide census that will have implications for taxation and governance, among other things. Governments are unjust. We, the people, are being misled, manipulated, and oppressed. And recent acts of violence bring into question, how can we, as a people and nation, move forward? This is the perspective of an average Jewish citizen living in first century Jerusalem. We kind of, in our mind, see the birth story in the beautiful light that we should. But what we often forget is that the world that Jesus was born into was a world riddled with violence and corruption and darkness and despair. This story is a story of hope and joy, and yet it is radical in its nature. We know the story. These three magi, that word that came to be the English word magic, possibly astrologers, possibly used divination or spiritual forces to seek the future, it could have been Zoroastrianists from Persia. The reason we think there are three is because they came, well, and they were here today, and we saw them, but they came to give their gifts of gold, frankincense, and myrrh. God chose them, pagans, outsiders, not of the house of Israel. Those that we would look at and comfortably say, we are the righteous in this scenario. We are on higher and solid ground and they are the worst of human beings in their pagan existence. God brings them. God does that. Even in the Old Testament, that's where it started in the Torah the first five books of the Bible that we attribute to Moses, Genesis, Exodus, Leviticus, Numbers, Deuteronomy, confirmation class is going to learn all about that. 
They're told twice in Leviticus 19 and 20, and then again in Deuteronomy 18, to stay away from these kinds of folks. Stay away from these magicians, these soothsayers, these sorcerers, these divinators. And yet, this is who God brings. What is God doing? God is breaking seemingly God's own commands for us, for them. Certainly, God is changing things. So they witness the star in a way that they can't deny. What would propel you to take a perilous journey across deserts to see a newborn child that isn't even a part of your religion or faith structure? Well, I always say these two things when we think about the wise men, these magi, and want you to think about them too. First, they studied. They were very learned. And so they studied more than just their own. They knew other faiths, sacred scriptures, and studied. It could be that even within their own faith system, there may have been some mythology about kings and babies being born. But whatever reason, they studied. Because they studied, they were open to seeing more. And they saw that star rising in the east. And they decided to follow to go and to seek to put themselves in the presence of this new king who has been born, this Messiah child. Not of their faith, not of their people, not of their line, not of their little part of the world, but something so completely different. And yet, they committed themselves to this journey. If they hadn't studied, I dare say they would not have been able to interpret the star that was miraculously rising. Had they just studied and not seen the star, they would not have fully understood who this child was and the significance of what was happening. But as it was, they had both things. They studied and they experienced and or observed what was going on around them. Great core lessons for us. If we're not seeking God, even though we have already found God in our hearts, that seeking never stops. If we only bury ourselves in Scripture but do not apply and or observe and or experience Christ in the world, we will not be following. If we just go out to seek and look for God in the world and call everything that we can explain God and miraculous, and we are not studying, we do not know then how God is speaking to us, and we miss out again. The brilliance of these 
magi, these outsiders, these Gentiles, these pagans, is that they studied and they saw and experienced in the star. So those two things got them to move forward. And they went to Bethlehem, the seat of power in this little area, in this region. Well, who do you go talk to? Well, in this case, it was Herod. Herod. Bad news, this Herod. He was insanely jealous and jealously insane. He had his brother-in-law, the high priest, drowned out of jealousy. Later on, he had his wife murdered, then her mother murdered, then his mother murdered, and all three of his sons murdered. All because they posed some sort of threat to him and his rule and his line. Herod wasn't even respected by the Jews that he sought to rule but indeed was there to pacify Rome and jumped when they said jump. And can you imagine you being Herod and here they come, there's, there's tall Jerusalem, still is not that huge a place. Bigger than Bethlehem, but not a huge city city. And here comes this caravan of these strange Gentiles, on their camels, with their people, their posse, showing their wealth, their knowledge. And he thinks, oh, they're coming to see me. Thank you. Please, open the gates to the palace. Let them in. And they come in and say, we're looking for the king of the Jews. Have you seen him? And... Herod then realizes that something else is afoot. He is the king of the Jews. They don't need another king of the Jews. Who are you talking about this child that you three came all the way? And how did you know that? And I didn't. Where is he? Where do you think he is? Because just in being born from day one, Jesus becomes a threat. And violence surrounds him because of what he sought to come and do for the world. So Herod sent for his chief priests and scribes and said, what, what do we know? What, what do you mean this, this child, this king of the Jews? I thought that, what, what are they talking about? And that's when they lift up the Micah prophecy in 5.2 that this Messiah will come from the unlikely little clan in Bethlehem out of this little city in Bethlehem. And so that's where they send them. But they don't seem too worried. King Herod could have gone with them and said, hey, let me give you a little support. How about, you know what? How about I just come with you and we'll all pay homage to, the, to this child together. But no, he says, if you go find him, tell me where he is and then I'll come and, and worship him too. So they go, and again, they continue, and the star rests over the house. A house. Yes, a house. 
Could be up to two years later, which is why we celebrate a little bit of distance from these wise men being at the manger. They still come to Jesus as he is a child, but it may not and wasn't at the same time as the shepherds and angels. But they find him in a house and they bring him these gifts that we see as symbolic, gold, frankincense, and myrrh, gold fitting for a king, frankincense, it's got the word incense in it, that they would use in worship. So that would denote his priestly calling to, as a go-between between God and people. And then myrrh as this kind of resin that was used for a variety of things, but among them anointing bodies. That we look ahead as that foreshadowing the resurrection, crucifixion, and resurrection. So the gifts are given, and now what? Do they stay, do they build, do they buy the house next to the house where Jesus is? Nope. Like the transfiguration story, Peter says, we can stay up here. See Jesus and Moses and Elijah, this is great. Let me build something and we'll just hang out. Jesus says, no, we've got to go back off the mountain. And likewise, these magi know that they have to go back to their lives. And in that process, they see this vision and they are told not to go back through Jerusalem and they need to be wary of Herod. So they go home, great phrase, they go home by another way. How many sermons preached, past, present, and future? Home by another way, yes. When you come into the presence of Christ, you go home new and different. You go home by another way as they did. What I wish we knew more of is what happened when they got back home to their separate places, if they were from separate places. Did they become Christians, as some traditions indicate? Did they tell others what they saw the way that they saw it? Did they kind of high-five at that road where they all split and said, that was great, we'll see you all at the next epiphany or God moment next time? Because you know, we can do that too if we're not careful. If you've ever had an aha God moment, that's the Holy Spirit working, whether that's worship or any kind of class or in prayer or study or on a mission trip or a conference or serving someone and you have that God-connected moment very easily, even if we go home and reflect on it, which we don't often do, we kind of think, gosh, that was amazing. And then we go back to the way that things were. The Christ child coming into the world was meant to change all of us. Christ light came into a violent world and Christ light comes into our violent world. We've seen it, we've been a part of it. From the summer demonstrations to the demonstrations on Wednesday. I believe in all of that, it was small groups of zealots that distorted and destroyed the message of those who were protesting. 
The problem with violence is that it doesn't get things done. All it does is give those on another side who are seeing things from a different viewpoint a way to say, you know what, I can write you off because that's the kind of people you are. Even though it's just, again, as I assert, a small amount in each group that is resorting to violence. Then we can say, we don't have to look at what they're really talking about. We can focus on the ridiculousness and the horrible and the tragedy of the violence as we're watching it. What gets lost? The message, the reason for the demonstrations. Violence does not lead us, it does not help us, it does not change it, and I denounce it. On the left and on the right. In the middle and on the sides. It does not help us accomplish what we believe we are called to do and be. This is a crucial moment for us in this time and place. How do we respond as Christians in our country that continues to only fracture and divide? It will make a difference or it won't. If it won't, it means that we've become complacent. If we don't stand on our faith and share the good news of Jesus Christ with the world, we are doomed, period. Now, I understand the umbrella that I just laid out there. There are faithful people on all sides of this political current environment. The problem is we think we have the high moral ground. We think we are right and the other people are clearly wrong. And so we write them off because we know that we are right. Neither side has the truth, but both sides have importance to contribute. And when we stop seeing the Christ in one another because we have been overcome by our talking points in politics, then when, friends, we are doomed. The wise men could have picked up arms after they had been in the presence of Christ. Now they knew, they knew this was the real king of the Jews. Let's go get rid of this imposter, Herod. Let's take him out. They don't do that. They go home to change their corner of the world. They go home to share with people what they know, what they've experienced, and how the light of Christ has come into the world in a way that changed things from that day forward. So we need to keep seeking even though we have found him. We need to keep studying if any of this means anything to us. We need to keep observing in the world and experiencing God outside of church and recognizing those things. They all come together through our friends, the Magi. Theologian John Calvin once said, if the sight of the star had so powerful effect on the Magi, Woe to our insensibility, who now that Christ the King has been revealed to us, are so cold in our inquiries after him. Again, if they went home and they high-fived and said, hey, that was great, I got a t-shirt, Jesus' birth, you know, Bethlehem, woo -hoo. 
And they went back to their lives, nothing would have happened. Just as if the disciples had never shared that they saw Christ risen after the resurrection, what would have happened from that point on? Nothing. So we are to continue to study if this means something to us. Our confirmands are now in a structured journey where they will be doing just that. Studying and looking for God present in the world, in their lives, and we need to join them in this quest. They are the wise men and women of our day, and I invite us to join them and to take the example that once the wise men, the Magi, found him, then they really sought to find him. Friends, we live in a time of darkness. We live under the oppressive rule or whoever is in power at the time. It seems like the word and presence of God is absent. Our nation is fracturing and being further torn apart by the violent zealots on the right and left who represent different thoughts of how our nation should be governed. We look at scripture as distant and far-fetched. We look at the birth story of Jesus Christ and prefer to look at the scandal of Mary being a virgin rather than believe that a miracle from God took place. We have just completed a nationwide census that will have implications for taxation and governing, among other things. Governments are unjust. We the people are being misled, manipulated, and oppressed. And recent acts of violence bring into the question, how can we as a people and nation move forward? Because the light of Christ has now come into the world. Therein lies our hope, our peace, our love, and our joy. And now that we have found him, let us truly seek him. Hallelujah. Amen.